music and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening or good morning, wherever you may be across this great land of ours. From the Tahitian and Hawaiian island chains in the west, eastward to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, south, all the way to South America, north to the pole and worldwide on the old internet. This is Coast to Ghost. That's Ghost to Ghost AM. <laughs> All right, this is actually a very interesting night. We do it uh, a few times a year now because it is so popular and for a really good reason. All we do all night long is tell ghost stories. Only there's usually not a big laugh at the end. Because these are real. And that's, uh, there are no guests. Not going to have a guest all night long. You are the only guest that will be here all night long. And the stories, well, they're up to you. But I have found over the months and years now that there is never, ever a shortage of ghost stories. Why are ghosts important? Well, because they answer the big question. They answer the big one, don't they? In other words, uh, if there is life after death, if there is an existence after the physical existence, well then, obviously, a ghost or a demon or whatever is in the night, and it is usually in the night, in the dark, well then that, that sort of proves all of that, doesn't it? Now, some of this uh, is going to be scary st uh, stuff. It always is. So, the standard warning, you know, I mean, it is scary. So, we're going to invite you, all of you, to pick up the telephone here shortly and tell us your ghost story. And when all of the evidence is amassed of this five hours added to all the other five-hour programs I've done on this subject, to not believe is nearly impossible. Now, last night I got a call that I want to deal with very quickly before we get underway. Maybe I'm just lucky. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, those of you who listened to the program last night may have heard a caller who said, Hey, Art, did you see the Democrats' debate? Which I did not, by the way. I saw the CNN recap of the debate. That was enough. But he said, Oh, God, Art, you've got to see it, because right in between the two candidates, Gore and Bradley, if you look between them, there's no question about it. There's an evil entity that you can see. And, oh, my God, there is. Now, this evil entity between the two major political candidates for the Democrat nomination, it's all over the net. It's, it's on all kinds of news groups. It's all over the net today since that man was on my show last night. Not only can you see it in the still grab of the uh, the picture, 
from the debate, which we now have on our website right now, in the night, in the dark. <laughs> God, it's an eerie picture. It was a time CNN election 2000 debate, and if you look, and I mean, if you, I kind of joked with the guy, and I said, which way was the entity looking? More toward Gore or more toward Bradley? And he said, right in the middle. And I went, okay, send me a copy. Well, boy, did I get copies. And uh, then it just, it, during the day, it spread all over the net. And so, of course, we have a copy for you on the website tonight. In the cold, in the dark. <laughs> so, I, I mean, make of this what you will. If that's not an evil entity, I don't know what the hell it is. Now, I suppose I could solicit a guy from NASA who would come on and say, well, it's just a trick of light and shadows. And you can say, I guess, it's just a trick of light and shadows. But I'll tell you what, this trick of light and shadows was seen and can be seen during the video of the event, if you happen to tape it, or during the live event itself, or here in a still photograph. So it's not a jacked-around picture. Whatever it is, it's really there. And it's on my website now. You judge for yourself. I'm sure the Pixel people will come out in droves. And this is not a political comment. Had this occurred between uh, Bush and McCain, I'd be putting it up on my website because it's a mind blower. So um, much as uh, many of you will no doubt think it's a political comment, it's not. It's just a kaboom picture. I mean, if this is not an evil entity looks evil, then I don't know what the hell it is. That might be the right phrase for it, too. Hell, I, I don't know. I have no idea what it is. I've got uh, a couple of kind of interesting uh, stories that I want to read you very short uh, that have been sent in. And you're welcome to send them in. Now, I, I you know, the really long ones, I just don't have time to read them. But if you want to send a ghost story by email, you can do that. If you want to send a ghost photograph, and here's where the real work comes in for my webmaster. Keith, of course, is with me during the night, in the dark, the cold. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, if you have a good ghost photograph, and you have it scanned, or you can scan it, then we will accept and begin to post ghost photographs as we get them during the night tonight. Where to send them, you ask. Answer, send them to webmaster at artbell.com. That's it, webmaster at artbell.com. And Keith will take the best. Now, we're only looking for the very best of the ghost photographs. And we, we sure are starting out tonight with a bang with this thing from the Democrat convent or a, a, a debate. Um, uh, this is just effing unbelievable, you know? I mean, it really is. 
So you got to see this. You really have to see it. It's on my website now. As you send them in, we will take the best of the lot, and please only send the good ones, and we will post them. Not everything is going to get posted. The best candidates will. But since that guy called last night, the net is alive with this photograph. It's just everywhere. Remember, you heard it first, right here. <laughs> the following from Montreal in Canada. Art, you may want to read this story on Ghost to Ghost. My brother-in-law died of liver cancer on July 24, 1991. This young man was 43 years old when he died. He was always a strong-willed man, even till his death, uh, as he had fought his battle for nine years and never wanted to give up. Even though he was going through much pain, he always kept up a most vigilant fight because of his character, kind of person he was. At the time of his death, he actually died of a sudden massive heart attack along with other complications. It was almost as though he had been totally caught off guard in the middle of his battle. On the day of his funeral, everyone had gathered inside the church, his coffin set in the center aisle. Due that Montreal here is very hot and humid at that time of year, all of the windows on the left side of the church were open for ventilation. Halfway through the service, everyone was seated quietly. I was just about to get up and do a reading from the gospel. Just as I was taking my place in front of the church, there was total silence for this brief pause. I'm sure all of you know about those. They happen you know, when nobody says anything, just prior to an event. All of a sudden, it was as though someone would have walked along the left side and closed the five windows along the wall consecutively and abruptly. Boom, 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 boom. Like that. One right after the other. Everybody inside that church froze in disbelief because there was no one around anywhere near the windows. There wasn't an air draft because there wasn't any wind. And there was a bit of distance in between the last aisle window and the two windows that were up beside the altar. These two windows also shut in direct timing as though someone were walking slowly to shut the windows. And so a final boom, boom, as they closed. By then, this had gotten the parish priest's attention as the two candles at the front of the coffin Burnt toward the left side of the church. The flame then came back into a straight-up position. The priest quickly stopped the service, walked to the coffin, blessed it while anointing the coffin with holy water. He seemed to be rather perplexed about the whole matter, as everyone attending the service uh, were all shaken up by what had just transpired. No other incident happened during the priest's blessings. The priest stood in front of the coffin while murmuring a few inaudible words. He then had to say our father once. He went back to the altar, resumed the service, and gave me the signal that was to start my reading from the Bible. After the service, my brother-in-law's mother asked the parish priest what had just happened. 
And he quickly told her that was a manifestation, but would not get into any other details. Thanks for your attention to the letter. Signed, Philip. A French last name from Montreal. Give it on the air. And then there's uh, one more here. And I'm not sure what you're going to make of this. A brief bio. Uh, my timeline. Born and raised in Southern California. Six years uh, paid call firefighter. Six years security police, U.S. Air Force, Lowry Air Force Base, Dunsan Air Force Base, wright Pat Air Force Base, Ontario Air National Guard, formerly Air Defense Command, five years as a police officer in Southern California. And I now own a telecommunications business, and about four years ago I moved my family to the Mojave Desert. I like to watch the stars and breathe air, if you know what I mean. I do. And now his story. Dear Art, there's a little bit of language in this, folks, so um, a little bad language, so get the kids out of the uh, room. It, it really has to be said because uh, it's in context. Dear Art, in the fall of 1977, I was a young airman assigned to the 8th Tactical Fighter Squadron, Kusan Air Force Base, Korea. As you know, the enlisted barracks on most air bases resemble a Motel 6. <laughs> yeah, I know. This was almost the case at Kusan. We were two airmen to a room, typical, two beds, two chest of drawers, and one refrigerator. That's a luxury. My roommate was a good friend and quite a character. He snored, and sleepwalked, talked in his sleep, and then snored some more. This was pretty much his routine sack time. We usually hit the sack about the same time every night at about 2,200 hours. That, folks, translates to about uh, 10 o'clock at night. The night that would change my life forever was no exception. First, you must know a little history about Kunsan and the bloody battles that were fought there for more, more than 40 years or 40 years ago. During the Korean conflict, Kilsan was an important seaport south of Seoul along the coast of the Yellow Sea. Both sides battled fiercely to control this area throughout the war, and many soldiers on both sides, as well as civilians, lost their lives. Many atrocities were reported to have been committed against the captured Allied forces and sympathetic civilians. Out of respect for the families of the many victims, I will not comment any further about the war. After the war, a joint South Korean and American Air Force base was built over the old military site. As I stated, it was late in the fall of 1977 for two nights in a row. I'd been awakened from a deep sleep at exactly 0100 hours, 1 o'clock in the morning. There was no loud noise, no alert aircraft taken off. Nothing to account for the sudden state of consciousness. Each time, I slowly opened my eyes, looked at my digital clock on the dresser, and, with the soft light coming through the windows, I could see my roommate sleeping soundly across the room. Each time, I lay there in bed and listened for an intruder. 
I rose and cleared the room, making sure everything was secure. It was on the third night that I was again separated from my sleep. Again, it was exactly zero one hundred hours as before. I didn't move, listen for the sounds of an intruder again. Nothing. Nothing except this time... The feeling was different. Something was wrong. All of my senses were screaming at me. Kind of like just before you kick in a door on a drug bust. Well, a cop would know about that. I glanced around the room, every muscle tensed, ready to defend myself. It was then that I saw it, and I can only describe it as a male figure in many shades of gray. He appeared to be of Korean descent. 5'2", stocky build, wearing long pants and a shirt, open vest. He was standing in the middle of the room and facing the wall where my bed was. I just laid there as still as I could, and I visually searched him for a weapon, saw none. He looked more like a farmer than anything else. After a long moment, he moved forward to the foot of my bed, turned facing me, and slid sideways between my bed and my room's a uh, roommate's dresser. As he did this, I reached under my mattress and pulled out my bunk knife. Most of my body was still under the covers when the intruder stopped and just stared at me. I stared back. My right hand firmly holding the knife with a closed fist and the open blade facing forward. It seemed like a lifetime. But in those milliseconds, my mind raced. Could this be... A lost civilian employee. Maybe he's drunk, just a harmless old man. Then I remembered who I was and the sensitive assignment that I was chosen to perform. I cursed the system for not allowing off-duty cops to carry their firearms. I surmised that this was an assassin, a Korean national paid to silence a young, idealistic American, i.e. me, who had gone deep undercover to discover how millions of dollars a month in supplies found their way off base. We'll save that story for another time. He uh, just stood there, his arms at his sides, down at my feet, and I just lay there, ready to strike. Then it happened. In an instant, the man leaned forward and reached out both of his hands. I responded with every ounce of strength I had, arched my back, and with one fluid movement, I slammed my backside down into the bed and flew forward, bringing my knife up in a tight arc, in a slashing motion across the man's throat. I didn't miss. I couldn't have missed. Why didn't my hand hurt? Where was the blood? I fell back onto my bed and just sat there trying to process what had happened. My knife hand flew right through his neck. It was at that moment that I realized that he was translucent. I was able to eke out a holy S-H-A, uh, asterisk T. My heart was in my throat. I could feel it pounding. As I fell back from my failed attempt, his, the blood, uh, uh, the spirit stood straight up. Brought his hands to his sides, leaned forward, and what I, what I can only describe as a startled look, he cocked his head to the left, just stared at me for about five seconds, and then with both hands reached down and touched the blanket that was still covering my feet. I felt the blanket tighten over my toes, and this lasted for about three seconds. Then he stood erect, slid out from the foot of my bed, and turned to the left, facing the windows, and moved forward.
Continuing forward, he elevated about three feet into the air and vanished without a trace. And uh, for privacy reasons, there's a little more that I'll hold back. What do you think that man saw? So, you get the idea, right? What we're talking about is real. I believe that. And if what we're talking about is real, then it goes a long way toward answering the biggest question of them all, doesn't it? Are we more than just physical beings? This is Coast to Coast AM. All right, what follows is nothing but ghost stories, and they all come from you. If you have a really good story, a really good ghost story, then call me. If you don't, then sit back and listen. And by the way, one more time, the most astounding photograph you may ever see is on my website right now. <laughs> it occurred during the Democrat debate. Between Bradley, between Gore, there is obviously the image of some kind of evil entity. Or entity. Maybe you're, you're going to say it's not evil. It looks evil. Now, this is no Photoshop uh, lash-up. It can be seen on the video. Uh, it was seen live, it, as my caller said last night. It's seen on the video if you've got a video of the debate. And this is simply a grab photo from that. It's all over the net tonight since the man called last night. And we've got it on the website tonight, and it's a blow-away. A total blow-away. You go take a look for yourself, and you tell me what's there. A trick of light and shadows. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Uh, good morning, sir. Thank you so much for taking my call. You bet. Where are you? Uh, Great Farm, Texas. My name is Dean, and I just thank you so much for giving a voice to stories like this. Cause, sure. Uh, this is really the first time I'll ever be able to really have ever really told the whole thing, and, and it started out really when I was four years old. And I've kind of, in the sense of, had that sixth sense about, you know, thinking I've seen things that maybe be in tricks of uh, light or shadow, like that, and shadow. But yet, as I get older and as I get a clarity now, I see things for what they truly were. Uh -huh. And uh, when I was four years old, let me just take you back quickly to, uh, I was in Key West, Florida, and it was a time where I, w I didn't have a television or even saw a movie until I was six years old. So mm -hmm. I didn't have, I didn't have that whole environment blemishing my, my mind. Sure. And I was living in Key West, Florida at the time. It was literally an Ernest, Ernest Hemingway novel. And when I was four years old, I remember walking out the back of my uh, grandfather's uh, house and, and being literally blinded by the sun. Well, in Key West, Florida, that's nothing, nothing, you know, uh, an occurrence or anything like that. But the thing that shocked me so much was the color of the the, uh, the blindness. It was almost like a rainbow effect. Well, as I turned, I remember as I was turning one way to just get that out of my vision, I was suddenly then blinded by the sun. And to me, that was such a shock because the first thing I think is I'm, you know, seeing the sun or a rainbow effect. And even as even as a four-year-old child, I remember the first thing I remember doing is just automatically reacting by looking to my left, and bam, the sun hits me. I remember then reacting back, coming back to that what I saw initially, and it was gone. And it was just until recently that I really just started to see a real clear picture of what it was. 
And what do, you, like, what do you think it was? I think I think it's one of the. It's literally the uh, the sixth sense. I think we have is when we're a small child and we're uninhibited by so many of the societies. Um, just yeah, I hear you. In other words, we we uh, w without having yet had our minds shaped and filtered by the media, TV, and all the rest of it, we're open to all of that until the door slams shut. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, then after that, it was almost uh, it was an amazing thing. I went to kindergarten. I'm sitting there. I can remember sitting in kindergarten on a swing set, and I'm five years old, still haven't gone to the TV route yet, in a private kindergarten of all the things. But I'm off in a little corner just swinging away, and I don't hear the bell, right? I'm kind of off my little world. And I remember suddenly stopping and realizing there's nobody out there, and it's just literally dead silent. It went from like 500 kids to zero, just me. And I can remember the stillness being so just, it was like almost like silence truly as a sound. I remember looking up in the sky, and literally in the same color and the transparency, and then given a almost a short movie on, on a cloud, and it looks like the back scene of a back alley of like a 1920s scene. And I remember as a child just being stunned by watching this and thinking, what am I watching? Because it was almost like watching a, almost like a 1920s uh, back alley of what life was on that there, and all of a sudden, bam, it was gone. And I was thinking, okay, this was strange. Like uh, some some sort of time slip or something. Exactly. It was almost like an, I'm a very old soul, I believe that, because my family traces back to Ireland and just to, literally back to the 453. My family tree, I think somebody in, in Britain right now is working on it. It's, it's so amazing. And I'm a firm believer in old souls. It's like why kids uh, play piano when they're two or three years old. Uh, why, you know, because we're just carryovers. Then obviously you're a firm believer in reincarnation. Oh, much, much so. That's the only way uh, you'd get to be a very old soul. All right, sir. Well, thank you very much. That we come back. It's plausible. You know, the whole reincarnation scenario is utterly plausible. It is as plausible as anything else. And there are many, many good arguments in its favor, and I lean toward it. I embrace very little in life, actually, uh, despite what you hear me talk about here on the air. You'd be quite surprised. I, I embrace very little as fact, unless I can lay my hands on it, wring it out, know it, feel it, see it. Then it's a fact for me, which makes me a pretty big skeptic, despite what I do here on the air. But reincarnation, I don't know. It makes sense, doesn't it? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. Hello. Mary Ann from Syracuse, New York. Syracuse, great to have you. WSYR. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in a house where a lot of strange occurrences have happened. The house has been in our family since 1950. Right. And uh, we had my aunt and her husband owned it. She passed away. We bought it. And my father and mother each passed away in the house. Well, I've had two strange occurrences with my telephone. I'll tell you about one of them. Uh, it was 1989 in the fall, and I was sitting in my front parlor watching television. It was getting late. And so I turned the television off and laid down on the couch and covered up with a quilt. And I keep a light in my kitchen, which shines into my little dining room and in my parlor. Sure. And I have my phone in my dining room. And I fell asleep. And I woke up and I heard somebody talking. And I live alone. So I pulled the clothes from my head and I'm looking into the, the parlor and I see some, a man standing talking on my telephone. In your house? In my house. And yeah. my first thought was I didn't lock the door. Somebody's getting in the house. Of course. 
And so I'm lying there very still because I figure maybe he can't see me and maybe he'll just rob and get, get out of here. Exactly what most people would do. Right. And he's talking on the phone. I'm hearing him saying, oh, yes, I've got to get that done. I've got a lot of work to do. And he's going on and on about work, but I couldn't catch what he was talking about. And he was, uh, oh, a young man, probably in his 30s, and he had a baseball cap on. So, in other words, he was talking as though he were speaking on the phone right. in, in his house. Right. As uh, if he came in from outside and said, oh, i got to call somebody. Yeah, I've, I've got up. you. I've got you. Right. So I'm just like, oh, my God, what is he doing? So I'm very, very quiet. But at the same time, I'm reaching. I had my dining, my um, coffee table there. And I'm reaching because I had a pair of scissors there, and I figure I'm going to get the scissors because if he comes in and tries to attack me, I'm going to attack him, you know? Bingo. Yeah, of course. So, so I'm uh, lying there still, but my hand is going, and I hear him talking. And as I said, he was a young man in his 30s. He had a baseball cap on, a jacket, jeans. He, I could see that he had, like, a blondish red hair or a beard. And I'm praying as I'm watching him. He gets done with the phone, puts the phone down. He turns. He walks into the parlor. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, here it comes. He looks at me, uh, smiles, and walks through the wall and disappears. Walks through the wall. Walks through the wall into my driveway. I jump up, look out, and there's nobody there. I came out and touched my phone, and it was warm, as if someone had been talking on the phone. Oh, my. But we've had many strange things. Oh, my. I, uh, well, <laughs> and, well, so what do you do after that? I mean, there you are I standing there with a phone, phone in your hand, and it's warm. And you've just been through this and seen a guy walk through a wall. So I just sat up for quite a while, for quite a while after that. And we've had very strange occurrences. When I slept in the back room, I used to have something used, used to get in bed with me. What? It used to get in bed with me. Oh, that's the worst. Now, if there's any sanctuary uh, in the I'm, world, we all know it's the bed where you can pull the covers over well, you. Well, you know, uh, sleeping with sisters... Course, you know when someone gets up in the night and they're walking back into bed and you can hear them breathing funny and walking up, trying to get back into bed. Yeah. And I would wake up and I would see this and the, the bed would go down and something would get into bed with me. There would be a depression in the bed next yes, to Yes, yes. And then something would get into bed with me and I could feel it moving, just getting <laughs> cozy. Cozy. It, we've, like I said, we've had many things. May I ask now, here's what I'm going to ask. Okay. How do you stop yourself? from getting up and screaming bloody murder and running, which well, would be what I'd do. I was so scared. I, well, I just lied there, and, and many times I would say to it, you stay in your side, and I'll stay on mine. <laughs> 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 really? Uh, and that work? Well, many times it would... Uh, my sister also had the, strange, the same thing happen when she would stay in the back room, and... Uh, she said something to grab her and get into bed, and I said, yes, it happens to me, too. Oh, man. And I remember when, kids, you, when you were kids, you drew lines down the middle of the bed, and you said, there's a line. You don't yeah. come over on my side. <laughs> <laughs> and then another thing I had in my phone, um, about two years ago, I had to go in for a uh, test on my heart. Yes. And I was waiting for the phone call for the doctor to schedule the uh, test. Right. And I didn't have an answering machine at the time. So I had to go out, and I came home. And my phone rang, and the man on the phone said, your appointment is such and such. And I said, yes. He said, when I was called a little while ago, he says, I talked to the gentleman. And, he oh, said, God. and I said, gentleman, I said, I'm sorry, sir, I live alone. Yes. He said, no, no. He said, I talked to the gentleman, and he said he, was, he knew that you were going in for a test. He was very worried about you. And he said that he uh, 
said you would be home soon. You went to the store. And I said, no, you must get me mixed up with somebody else. I live alone. He said, no, the man's name was Frederick. And I assumed he was your father, which was my father's name. Oh, so I, I said to him, sir, you talked to a ghost because my father died in 1979. And what did he say? He was kind of petrified. <laughs> he said, no, he said, you're kidding me, aren't you? And I said, no. I said, I live alone. My father's name was Frederick, but he died here in the house in 1979. Oh, my. And you know that, uh, you know when, uh, Mediums talk about ectoplasm. Of course. Okay. Another time I was sitting watching television, and I have a corner cabinet. And I looked up, and I saw this green film on the, on the corner cabinet. And it was like green smoke. And I watched, and what is that? And I'm looking, and I'm trying to see if there's something from outside flashing, and there was nothing. And it went behind my cabinet. So I asked a friend, and she said, that's uh, what ghosts make as they're walking. Hey, uh, I'd be out. Of, uh, might I ask how you managed to stay in the house? I mean... Well, I'll tell you, because my parents both died in the house, and yes. I believe that they are here. Um, we, I've had an occurrence of my mother... You know, uh, and, and, but I must say, in so many ways, that really bothers me, because... <laughs> the, I mean, the implication is that you die in a house, uh-huh. and you, you, you remain there forevermore. I mean, that isn't really our idea... No. Uh, uh, the Christian idea of an afterlife to be um, unseen and, and only occasionally apparently heard or seen as green slime and to continue in that way is just too much to think about. Well, I do believe my mother is still around because uh, we, well, my aunt came in one weekend and we were sitting in the front room and we could smell like my mother would cook spaghetti sauce every time anybody came in. Yes. And my aunt said to me, Marianne, can't you now there, and I said, smells like spaghetti sauce. She said, your mother, it's your mother cooking sauce. And Do uh, you still live in that house? Yes, I do. Yes, I own the house. You own the house? Yes, I do. So then, in a lot of ways, the, the young man, uh, who was the young man, do you think? I don't know. No idea at all? No idea. No idea at Wasn't all. Wasn't part of your family? As, no, no, as because you know. I, I was asked that. Did your father look like that when he was young? My right. father was dark. No. Obviously, yes. The answer is no. No, I don't know. I have a, a Native American friend, and she told me that it may have been someone who uh, years and years ago was killed in this area, and his ghost still walks through the area. And she says because of uh, the house, there could be a portal. Yes. And the ghost could be coming through. Yes. Well, that may be. Yeah. Um, but but when something gets into bed with you and the bed depresses <laughs> and it cozies up, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd have a heart attack. I would have a heart attack. Well, I'm sure I would. I, I've been having things happen to me. My sister and I both have had things happen to us like that since we were children. If someone's going to die in the so family. So you're, you're telling me then this is something... You can actually get used to. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, when my, uh, which I believe is my mother in the house, when I leave the house, I tell her to watch over it while I'm gone. And I feel that she's still in the house. Because after she passed away, I did see her in the house. Oh. And uh, we could not find out who the house was insured by. Because I would, I would help her pay the insurance, but I didn't know who it was insured by. Right. And... I came into the front parlor, and I turned, and how you see, like, a flash, you think it's something, a shadow? 
corner of your eye. Right. Yeah. And I saw my mother. And I, then I turned and I saw my mother. And, I, and she was young. My mother died of cancer and she was very old when she died. And this woman was young, very young in her 30s. Like I remember my mother when I was a child. Like in her prime. Yes. And I said to her, oh, Mom, I says, I really wish you'd come back. We miss you so. And she said, nothing would make me ever come back to this planet. Huh. And I said, have you seen God? Have you seen Jesus? She said, yes. Yes. And, and I said, Mom, uh, the house insurance, we don't know who the house insurance is from. And she told me the name. She said, you better pay it. It's due Halloween. I called the insurance agent. She said, yes, it's due Halloween. <laughs> Dear, I've got to go. Okay. That, that was a real beaut. Thank you. Thank you. Right. You see, that's what I'm talking about. Everything there was all right, pretty much, except the bed part, the depression, and the cozying up. No way. It's actually Ghost to Ghost AM with Art Bell, and that's all we're doing all night long. The stories are from all of you. Ghost stories. Real ghost stories. As the first hour just demonstrated graphically. Now, how much synchronicity do you all believe in? I believe in some. Not that much. Last night, a man called the program. Many of you will have heard it. And he said, hey, Art, did you know that there was a ghost or a demon a right between Al Gore and uh, uh, Bill Bradley in the debate on television? And I said, no. And he said, yes, it's a demon. And I said, okay, fine. Send me something. I'll take a look. And it's all over the World Wide Web today. I mean, it's all. Since that man called last night, it's everywhere. And right now it's on my website, and I'll be damned if it's not that. I may be damned anyway. But it, it, if it, first of all, I want to assure you this is not political. Had this apparition appeared in a McCain-Bush debate, I'd have it up there tonight, too. But it didn't. It's in this one. And for all you pixel people who think somebody went to Photoshop and whopped this one up, wrong, they didn't. This was visible on the videotape itself. It was visible live during the show. And somebody, well, actually many somebodies, have grabbed the, uh, the picture, and it's on my website right now, and it's, it's a blowaway. There is something that would appear to be an entity between these two men. I joked with him last night saying, which way was he looking, you know, more toward Bradley or, or toward uh, a Gore? And he said, no, right down the middle. And he's right, right down the middle. Now, this would be the kind of thing that I'm sure that we could have a NASA expert on who would, you know, explain away as a trick of light and shadows, But it seems like an awful lot of synchronicity to me since we were doing Ghost to Ghost tonight. Since that one man got through, since that one man told me about this, since it's all over the net now. <laughs> You've got to see this. <laughs> so anyway, we're telling ghost stories. More of that coming up. If you want to see the photograph, 
It's at www.artbell.com. Oh, and one more thing. If you have a good ghost photograph, and it's hard to believe we're going to get one better than the one they gave us in that political debate. <laughs> this thing is incredible. But if you have a good ghost photo, send it to webmaster at artbell.com right now. Webmaster at artbell.com. Keith will uh, receive and uh, uh, kind of pour through and pick the best of the bunch. And we'll get those up during the period of the night, the program tonight, and uh, go take a look. So more in a moment. Back to the lines. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello there. Good morning, Art. Hi. Where are you? Um, I am right now in commute between Nashville and Knoxville, Tennessee. All right. Glad to um, have you. My name is Corey, and I have a couple for you if uh, if I have time. Uh, well, uh, one, give me your best shot first. Okay, my best shot um, is one that actually happened to me. Um, I was with a friend of mine out in uh, a field near where I live in Knoxville, and uh, we were uh, walking around. We had our BB guns, uh, and uh, we'd heard stories that where we were at was um, a place where there was a lot of Civil War action. Sure. I don't know if that's actually true or not. I've not had been able to uh, find any uh, the authenticity of that. But uh, we were on what would be described like as a, uh, a logging road. Uh-huh. And uh, we were walking down through there, and we were talking about the possibility of graves around there and stuff. And we looked up, and uh, there were uh, a pair of boots that were, you know, we saw them at first, they, they started walking towards us. And all they were were boots. I know, they, I know. Oh, 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 slow down. <laughs> you're on a road and there's a pair of boots without a body nor legs nor anything else walking right. toward you right and um, if you've ever been to uh, any type of museum that has uh, Civil War uniforms and stuff like that yes. they resemble the boots that you would see with the, those top uniforms um, they were they were dusty. They weren't polished or anything like that. They were they appeared to be old, like they'd been used. They walked up. They were walking towards us, and we kind of froze. We didn't know what to do. This mm-hmm. was uh, a few years, you know, quite a few years back. We just stood there. Freezing, freezing is one of two possibilities. If yeah. that happened, you either freeze or you, or you run, run for your life. One of the two. Right. Now they can, they walked up. They stopped right in front of us. We both looked at each other. I bent down and tried to pick them up, and I couldn't grab them. And then they vanished. Into thin air. Into thin air. They were gone. We looked at each other again, and then that's when we both decided to do the second option, which was run. Run. Yeah, I'm, ran, I'm with you there. We ran back to the house, and that was the last we went up on that, that area. Uh, we, you know, we, we were on motorbikes. Uh, up in the woods, we ran back to them, went back to the house, and that was it. That's one hell of a story. And uh, That's really yeah. a true story? Yes, sir, it is. It is. Um, we told uh, my dad about it, and he he said uh, yeah, he had heard about the Civil War uh, deal going on around there and stuff like that, but, you know, he didn't. He wasn't for sure exactly what all happened there. And, uh-huh. So he, uh, he tended to believe us a little bit, too, so... Uh, <sighs> Well, look, I can't tell you how I appreciate your story, and I'm better you than me. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Uh, yeah, oh, boy. 
Boots disconnected from bodies, not good. Evil entities between debating presidential candidates, definitely not good. I'm not going to get over this one for quite a while. I mean, nowhere in the news, nobody'd seen it. I get a call from a guy last night because he knows I'm doing a go show tonight. And I'll be damned if it's not real. And it is real. Now, the only thing you can argue with respect to this image is that it's some kind of, of trick of, of light and shadow, you know, the NASA story. That's all you can argue. That's it. Otherwise, it was seen live. It can be seen on the videotape and on all the pictures circulating on the net since the call last night. It's just a total blow-away. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. This is Liddy calling from Redmond, Washington. Hi, Liddy. Hey, we're listening to K-O-M-O. Como. Como. Yes, yes. indeed. Uh, 50,000 watts right in the middle of the AM dial on 1,000. That's right. Hey, um, had a story for you. My uh, father was a victim of a homicide back in 1976. Sorry. I was nine years old. Right. And um, it was... The whole thing around that was just very bizarre. The um, the day, the, the early evening of his death, he dropped me off at my grandmother's where I was planning on spending the night. And, you know, it's my dad, and he's just dropping me off at grandma's. So I jump out of the car and run up the walkway. But something makes me stop and turn around and look at him. And we kind of just, you know, he was in the car. I was standing on the sidewalk, and everything kind of slowed down. And I knew that, and, you know, that was probably the last time I was going to see him. But, you know, as a little kid, I just kind of walked away and didn't really think anything of it. As it turns out, I didn't stay at my grandmother's at the last minute. I stayed at my aunt's house. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd gone to bed, and about 11 o'clock that night, I woke with a start, just not feeling well, you know, sick to my stomach and everything. And um, I was uncomfortable and things was going on. So I get up, and I'm walking through the house by myself, and it's dark. And right as I walk past the phone, it rings. I pick up the phone, and someone says to me, your father's been shot. Your and father's was, been shot. Exactly. And click, that was it. Um, I got very sick. You know, I, I vomited and everything. I ran to the bathroom, vomited, woke my aunt up. You know, something's wrong, something's wrong. She's like, what, what? I said, you know, you be, the phone just rang. Uh-huh. She's like, I didn't hear the phone ring. I said, yes, it did. The phone rang. And, um, no, 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 you know, you just had a bad dream and go back to sleep. Yeah. No, I can't go to sleep. So I went in, laid on the couch. She went to bed. This is his sister, my, my father's sister. She went to bed. I'm lying there on the couch, and I know something's wrong. So I get up, and I call my uncle, my mother's brother, right. and I ask him to let my grandmother know that something's happened to my father. And he's the same way. He's like, no, just go, you know, you just had a bad dream. Go back to sleep. Yeah. Go back to sleep. Yeah. So... Meanwhile, I'm trying to convince people, and I'm getting so upset and so distraught that my aunt starts paying attention to me. Within an hour, my grandmother was over at the house, and a friend of hers had called her to let her know that uh, my father had been in an accident. They didn't know that he'd been shot, that he'd been in some sort of accident, and I'm trying to convince them he's dead. And immediately, of course, you know, they think I'm overreacting. I know he's been shot. He's been dead. And sure enough. Right around that same time that I got the phone call, a little bit after 11, is right around the time that he died. And to this day, my uncle knows that I did call him to tell him that my father was dead. 
but no one else can, you know, confirm the fact that I heard the phone ring, that I picked up the phone. Doesn't matter, it. obviously. Obviously, it happened. Uh, did, did you recognize the voice on the phone? No, I didn't. It no, was a. It was a strange. It was a strange. Yeah, it was, I didn't recognize it as my father. To this day, you know, I've thought about it. I don't know who the person was. And the thing is, no one knew other than my grandmother and my, you know, that I had gone to spend the night at my aunt's house at the very last minute. So they couldn't have even known you were there. No. No. You thought about it, I'm sure, many, many years. Oh, what, what, many a year. What do you think? What do you What do you think? I, to be honest, I don't know. I do not know. My mother and I, obviously, years later, we've talked about this, and there were several weird occurrences around that. At the same time that I woke with a start, she woke with a start, and she was maybe 15 miles away. And, you know, just feeling kind of sick to her stomach, knowing something was wrong. All right, you know, I, as I'm trying to consider the prospect of um, spirits beyond life, mm -hmm. I absolutely understand that, a human mind, we have very complex minds, and it may well be that when somebody close to you dies, there's a blast of energy that, um, and, and because we hear all these stories of people who literally feel it when somebody close to them dies or know it in some way. But when you add the dimension of a phone ringing mm -hmm. and somebody telling you that your father has been shot and is dead, right? then... You've crossed the line from what a, a living human brain can do, in my opinion, or might be able to do if, we, if you stretch your imagination, into an entire other area, the kind of area that I was, I've been talking about tonight. Oh, definitely. You oh. know, I totally agree. I mean, <laughs> as a nine-year-old, you know, with, there's clearly I'm open to so many different things, you know, and I, I don't have all these you know, preconceived notions of anything. And, um, yeah, yeah, and the only one that can back up my story is my uncle who said that I did call him before anything really happened, but no one can, no one so far has, you know, admitted to calling me. No one knew I was there. How old are you now? I'll be 33 in March. I sure appreciate your call. Hey, thanks a lot, Art. Love your show. Thank you. You see, that crosses the boundary, and the boundary to me is... The ability, the artifact of a living hu human brain, call it telepathy, call it whatever you want to call it, but when you add this dimension of the physical, the physicality of a phone ringing with a strange voice telling you something that uh, it would not be possible <laughs> for you to be told at that time, well, you decide. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hello. Hi, this Hi. is George. Hi, George. How are you? Fine. I'm calling from Oakland. Yes. I got a story that goes, oh, by the way, I'm looking at your website. Yeah, that, that photo is very frightening. Is, is that something or what? I mean... You can see the horn. My God. I know. I, I mean, uh, I just... You know, the guy called me. Did you happen to hear the call last night? No. Oh, you didn't hear the... Okay, the guy called and said, Art, you're not going to believe this. You know, I know you're going, doing Ghost to Ghost tomorrow night, and I must be honest with you, I really didn't believe it. I mean, an evil entity between the two Democrat candidates in a debate, uh, something that could be seen live on TV, wow. I didn't believe it. But uh, so none of the, uh, the network uh, reported this, right? <laughs> no, are you kidding? <laughs> Give me a break. Do you honestly think they would report this kind of thing? The only place you're going to hear about that is here. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, let me tell you. Well, well, no, wait. Uh, we're running short on time. I do want to ask your opinion on something. Sure. If you were walking down a road and you saw a pair of bodiless boots walking toward you, <laughs> what would you do? I'd run the other way. You'd <laughs> run the other way. Can you afford to hang on a line through the break? I sure can. No problem. All right. Then please do that. Um, so for the guy with the boots, oh, boots. I couldn't resist. Sorry. You keep saying you've got something for me. Something you call love, but confess. You've been a messin' where you shouldn't have been a messin'. And now someone else... Hey, uh, my story goes back in 1975. Um, uh, my girlfriend and I were driving... Um, back to Idaho where I was going to school. We were headed towards uh, Yellowstone Park and going towards uh, Montana Eastgate. And we were driving in a little yellow Volkswagen around midnight, and it was kind of snowing. And uh, picture a two-lane road with tall trees in between and, and no moon or nothing. It's just our headlights. Gotcha. And the snow was falling and slushy. And all of a sudden, there was this uh, figure I saw walking right in the center of the road, walking the same direction as me. In other words, her back was towards us. It was a her? It was a lady. And uh, at first I noticed her, and I, I told my girlfriend, I said, you see what I see? is a girl walking out here in the midnight, and it's probably about 30 degrees out there. Right. And the closer we got, uh, the more detail I can make out. And, in fact, I was going to roll down my window and say, hey, listen, you need some help. Or sure. But... Uh, we noticed that she was wearing very, very old, uh, I guess, uh, 19th century garb clothing, and she had uh, these hobnail boots, um, and she had a long shawl and around her shoulders, and then her hair was uh, long brown hair down to probably a little bit below her shoulder blades. And the closer we got, we noticed something weird was that her hair was completely dry. It was not even wet like you, know, you would expect somebody... In the middle of a snowstorm, yeah. Exactly. And um, I was just about to roll down my window, and my girlfriend goes, don't even stop, don't even look, she's a ghost. And, you know, that freaked me out because I was just about ready to slow down. She goes, don't even look in the mirror, she has no face. So, Oh, my God. Away. <laughs> you can imagine, you know, here we are putzing along a little Volkswagen, and I just slowly moved over to the right and you know, to avoid hitting her, and I just moved on. And when we got to the the gate, the ranger said, "Sorry, but the the, the path is closed tonight due to the snow." <laughs> you mean we got to go back? And and he says, "Well, there's there's a little motel about uh, half a mile." <laughs> so you're thinking you got to drive back by this ghost? Oh, geez, we were scared out of our wits. So, yeah. anyways, we got to this motel, and fortunately, the guy uh, still had a room available. And as soon as we got in the door, uh, in the room, we just locked the door and put chairs against the wall. <laughs> and <laughs> that I was an experience. The rest of the night was uneventful. Oh, the rest of the night that we couldn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the story. So, oh, my. An entire figure until you get up to it and then no face. I wouldn't be stopping either, would you? Well, a ghost wouldn't be affected by weather conditions, would it? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello there, Art. How are you? I'm okay. 
This is Tony in Oklahoma City. Yes, sir. I got a couple of pretty weird ones. Well, give me your best shot. Well, they're both pretty good. I don't know which one. I'll give you... It was probably about 1965, and my brother and I both were real Beatle freaks, and I had this uh, portable record player, stereo. Right. And we had this in the kitchen, and we were playing Beatle records, Beatle albums on sure. the thing. Sure, sure. And there was no else, nobody else home in the house. And the living room was like 15, 20 feet away. And Beatle albums playing, and we're sitting there listening. And there's a voice in the living room singing along with the record. As clear as a bell. Another voice. Uh-huh. Not one of the Beatles. No. You're sure it's not one of the Beatles? Absolutely not. And there was, there's no other speakers. The speakers were right there in front of us. The voice is coming from where? The living room, about 20 feet away. <laughs> we both walked into the living room. Nobody else was supposed to be at home? No. You walked into, into the living room? And there was the voice as clear as a bell. Nobody? Nobody. Just a voice? Just a voice. Nothing else there. Oh, man. Then another time at a friend's house. I was probably about 14. Well, did, wait a minute. Did the voice just stop when the music stopped? When did, how did it stop? I, I don't really remember how it stopped. You must have been in shock. Well, no, not really, because there was weird things happening all the time. Footsteps, um, bumping into something that wasn't there, uh, lights going on and off by themselves. Anyway, you were going to say another another time. I was about 14... And we were at a friend's house, and he was into car models, and I was. And we were sitting on the floor rolling a car back and forth to each other. And I was sitting on the floor, and my back was against a couch. And he rolled the car to me, and I missed it. It went under the couch. I lifted the, uh, like a little skirt thing on the bottom of the couch. Sure. Lifted it up, looked under there, saw where the car was, stuck my hand under to reach for the car, Right in front of the car, where the car was, was a foot. A foot? A foot. Under the couch? Under the couch. A human foot. Not, not a boot, not a, not a, not no, a shoe. A, a naked foot. A, a naked foot. I oh. touched, I touched, I felt the, 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 uh, instep and up to the ankle. <laughs> and I looked, God. and whatever this thing, I mean, it was, Absolutely there. It was physical. I felt it. A foot under the couch? Yes. Which you laid your hands on and felt physically? Yes. And I could swear it was not a human foot. Well, what kind of foot was it? I don't know. It felt cold oh. and kind of like leathery or something. Oh, my God. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and I jumped... And ran out of the house. <laughs> oh, at least, <laughs> at least. All right, sir. Um, one, one other thing. Oh. There was a. Like that's um, not enough. <laughs> there was um, a friend of ours who lived across the street, and he had like eight or nine kids. This is similar to that that lady who said that uh, her father was dropping her off, and she knew she would never see him again. Yes. Well, I was going out to the school bus. And this kid, this guy had about eight kids, 
and he was a flight engineer for Pan Am, I believe. Right. And um, he would fly all over the world. And usually, whatever kids were around, he would say goodbye to and whatever. But this particular day, I found out later he had to say goodbye to every one of his kids before he left for this trip. And he was walking down the street with one of his kids, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, direct eye contact, and I don't, I can't explain what it was, but I knew that he knew he wasn't coming back. What happened to him? He was on his way back from, uh, it was his first flight. He'd been training for years for a, um, engineer on a, on a jet airliner. Right. This was, uh, 707s were just new at that time. Right. And it was his first flight on a 707. And he was flying from Africa back into Kennedy, and the plane was hit by lightning and blew up. Wow. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, that's triple witching. Uh, thank you very much for the call and the stories. Yikes. Oh, my God. We, you know, if you, you know, a little car ran under a couch like that story he told, and you would do... Just as he did, you'd lift up the little thing to look under the couch and see a foot. Notice I didn't say human foot. And then have the cojones to reach under there and grab this cold, what did he say? Scaly sucker? Got him scaly? Cold. And touch it and feel it. Under the couch, a foot. Most of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Yes. Yeah, this is Ken in Phoenix. Hi, Ken. How are you? Uh, doing pretty good. Getting nervous with all these uh, stories that everybody's telling. Yeah, um, the, the boot story, the uh, the foot story. Yeah, that that'd been me. My hand would have been out of there, and I would have been out of the house. Two shakes of a lamb's tail. Yes. Uh, anyway, reason I'm calling is uh, about my daughter. Your daughter. Yes. She talks to her grandmother. Her grandmother has been dead for five years now. Have you uh, have you seen The Sixth Sense yet? Yes. And it's a lot of similarities with my daughter. The first time she told me about it, I, I was at work, and when I got home, my roommate told me, Call your daughter. She's real upset. How old is your daughter? Or was your daughter at that time? She was eleven at the time. Eleven. Yes. So you called her. Yes. And I talked to her mom. Yeah, had she known? Uh, excuse me. Had she? How many years prior had uh, her grand? Uh, your grandma died. Her grandma had her died. Grandma, I'm sorry. Uh, about a year and a half before. Year and a half. So she would have been about nine and a half. Right. Okay. And. Uh, so I called, and they said, Kimberly's real upset. She won't tell us what's wrong. She wants to talk to you. Uh -huh. So I go over, and I talk to her, and she says, Daddy, Grandma's here. Uh -huh. I said, what do you mean, Kimmy? She says, Grandma's here. I see Grandma in the house. Uh -huh. And we're sitting around the table talking to her, and she says, Grandma's behind Mommy right now. Really? And my ex-wife said she just, she felt this chill 
and my daughter says, Grandma's putting her hand on, on Mommy's shoulder and saying everything's going to be okay. Uh-huh. And how long did this continue? It's still going on. It's still going on? Yes. It's, she's 15 now, and every now and then she'll tell me, Oh, I talked to Grandma today. Uh, As a matter of factly. Yes. I mean, it's like, okay, I talked to my mom, but she says, I talked to my grandma. Have you, um, how do you treat this? I mean, when, you know, I mean, well, how do you respond? Well, are you kind of saying, is it like, okay, hon, sure? No, I, I ask her, what, what is your grandma saying? I mean, we're real open about it. I mean, I don't try to tell her, well, you're just imagining things or anything like that. Right. You know, because, I mean... No, I wouldn't tell her that either. Had she been very close to uh, her grandma? Yes, she was very close to her grandmother. Um, last two years, her grandma was alive. She was living with, with my ex-wife. Um, she was very sick, and my daughter helped take care of her. Uh-huh. And so she became very close with her grandma. Well, I, I thank you for the story, and uh, I wish you da- your daughter well, and if you ever get the opportunity, tell your daughter, call me. Okay, I will. All right? All right. Thank you very much, and take care. How many of you by now have seen Sixth Sense? It, it is a movie, I guarantee, that will leave your chin on your chest. That's really all I'll say about it. Really awesome. First time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Yes. Hello. Yes, hello. Is this me? Yeah, well, only you know that for certain. Okay, but... I, I'm calling from Alaska. I've lived up here for quite a few years, but I'm originally from Prescott, Arizona. What part of Alaska? Uh, Fairbanks. Oh, you're way up there. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. have a beautiful winter. It's not really bad at all. But I know. I'm originally from Prescott, Arizona, which used to be a nice place. Compared to Fairbanks, everything's crowded. Yeah, it, it, it is a great place. But I, uh, my story goes back to when the year I graduated from high school. I was, uh, I'm an artist up here, I'm a sculptor, and uh, I wanted to be an artist. And there was a an eccentric fellow and his wife had uh, moved into an old place, and it was a place kind of an urban legend where everybody, the kids, would go and hold seances and stuff. And he was an artist, and I met him, and uh, he had a trailer there. He sold me real cheap. I was still in high school, but I, like most seniors in high school, you want to move out of the house. Sure. I bought this place for practically nothing. Well, there was a, a this place next to it was an old roadhouse that went back over 100 years old, and it's at the junction of 89 and 89A, and that, I guess I just went by there a couple years ago. It's all torn down now. The kids that hold seances, it was supposedly haunted, and I, I uh, it didn't seem to bother me. You know, I was just... Well, maybe, but seances are an invitation. No, I, I was, I, I was a, I was a Christian even then. I didn't have anything to do with that. But the, whatever was there didn't seem to affect me. And I'd work there during the day. I was making molds for another sculpture, and uh, I'd, I'd come back the next day sometimes, and stuff would be moved around, and, and you'd hear bumps. And I had a friend that lived in the house, and he was crazy. It didn't, whatever, it wouldn't bother him. But I. 
definitely could, could feel things, but they weren't like bad things. And, uh, oh, it was getting later towards the end of the summer, and there was a big stone fireplace. And I'll never forget, we built a big fire up, and I had a girlfriend out. We built a fire up, and we were just enjoying ourselves. There was an outhouse across the road. Right. And, uh, we, they had like sheer curtains on. The only light in the place was this, uh, big fireplace blazing. I remember going... Okay, we don't have a lot of time here. Okay, we, we, we walked across the street to the outhouse and we turned around and looked back and there were, I don't know, there were two people in the house moving around. I couldn't tell what they were doing. Uh-huh. But needless to say, we took care of our business and we left. We never... We didn't go back that night and shortly after that I left there. Two people in the house? In the house. Yeah, two figures. There were sheer <laughs> curtains and uh, we had just left the house. Nobody yeah. could have gone in behind us. We were maybe 20 foot away. Well, my response would be that the seances brought something through. Yeah. Well, there was, this was, a, this place had history. There was, it was, it had been like a, a, a roadhouse, a bar, and there's people. Well, well. there. I, I believe, Art, that, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I believe that I don't know what they are. I know they're there. There's other dimensions. Oh, it's real, sir. Well, yeah. I don't don't know what it is either, but I I, I do know it's real. We're going to have to bail here. They say that you're a runaround lover. But it's real. In the night. In the dark. A thousand eyes. Or more. I'm Art Bell, and this is Ghost to Ghost AM. This well, actually, what it was is I just moved down here, and a friend of mine from Alaska had invited, had moved down to Fort Worth. He invited yes. me to a party. Yes. I was just turned 18. And yes. Basically, it was kind of like a, a male bonding with the, the hope of female companionship. <laughs> yeah, I know. And literally, uh, this girl from probably a state of a party of about 30 or 40 people, for some reason, we just kind of hooked into each other and started talking. And, it happens. And, yeah, okay. And, and I tell you what, I thought maybe it was the alcohol, because at the time, I sure wasn't, uh, how you say, the, uh, you know, the John, James Bond of women at the time, but uh, her name really intrigued me, and she finally said at the time, and ironically, I was driving my mother's car, she was out of town, and uh, she goes, well, I just need a ride home, and I thought, well, it sounds you know, pretty close to my little town of Grapevine, so I thought, no problem. How and, far was it? Um, it was only, should have only been about a 30-minute drive, well, an hour and a half into it, after we're listening to the Eagles album, Long Way, you know, Long Way Home, and I'm suddenly realizing that I'm starting to see signs for Oklahoma, maybe, <laughs> there's, maybe there might be a slight problem here. And you know? she's like, oh, well, you know, we were just talking and talking and talking, and next night I suddenly realized that, you know, this is not okay. So she goes, well, let me, actually, she goes, I used to live up here. So we, you know, we went up. And, she said what? She said that she had used to live up in this little town called Denton. Denton, Texas, yes. And she said that if we got to Denton, she could lead me back to Grapevine. So I thought, okay, great, because I have no clue. I've been living in Texas for two weeks. I just moved from Alaska. So you could tell that, you know, from the little town of Anchorage to this was just an experience. Yep. And uh, so anyway, we did 
yeah, she's told me about her family and how everything is going, and I'm starting to feel, you know, starting to feel comfortable about this now. And she goes, okay, we need to go over to this apartment complex. So we pull over to this apartment complex and stop, and I'm thinking, okay, everything's fine. She goes, well, let's get out. And, and I'm thinking, well, maybe we're going to somebody's house, make a phone call or something like that. And she leads me over this hill, and suddenly I realize I'm standing there looking at a graveyard. You're in a graveyard. I'm in a graveyard. In Denton, Texas. In Denton, Texas. And the first thing I notice is... With this, clarity. With clarity. Yeah, and the very, very still night, Texas still night, the kind of night that there's no wind, no nothing, just still. Blood still, they exactly. call it. Exactly. Yeah. The silence has a sound. And anyways, we walked up to the graveyard, and I noticed on the entrance, there's two big kind of like stone little entrances to the gate. One of them is completely knocked over. And we're talking a pretty good stone gate here, so you're thinking some force took this over. And just out of curiosity, I said, I wonder what happened there. She was, well, actually, uh, my truck hit that. And I went, my, my truck hit it. That's what she yeah. said. I would, and of course, I would, excuse me? She went, yes. In fact, uh, it was probably two years ago that uh, we were you know, on a wild joyride one night, and literally we came across the hill and, bam, rammed into them. So I'm kind of looking at this thing going, well, I can maybe see, you know, like a wild Texas night with a couple of, uh, you know, tall boys, maybe them hitting a graveyard. You know, they've always heard the adage about people going out to graveyards and doing their thing. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like, okay, you know, but I'm still kind of feeling the effects from the vodka, so obviously the clarity in me hasn't come so you're probably thinking you're going to be doing your thing in the graveyard here in a minute. Yeah, but also I'm at that point, too. Where I'm Wishing and hoping, maybe. Yeah, but it's also that 20, that kind of thing where you're going, I kind of want to, but kind of don't want to, because the ambiance plays a big part in it, and that truly wasn't the ambiance I was looking for. And uh, anyways, we start walking to the graveyard, and she's like, well, let me show you a couple mausoleums. And she goes, and says, my family's name's here. Oh, they're kind of interested in that, so we walk over there, and as I'm kind of like standing around, I'm starting to get that chilling feeling that, wait a minute, we really... You know, I've lost the mood now, and I kind of want to leave. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I look up, and I'm looking up in the sky, and I'm just thinking, God, what a beautiful full moon. I've always been attracted to the full moons. And suddenly I see, and this is no lie, Mr. Bell, I see seven white, literally white birds, doves, almost connected to each other by the wing, and they're just floating, literally flying. And at this point, I'm totally dead sober, because I've now just realized that, hey, <laughs> I'm in a graveyard. I have I don't want to be All here. of the alcohol just fell out of your oh, system. Oh, it's an amazing sober effect. It's almost <laughs> yeah. like when the Christmas lights turn on and the cop pulls you over. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, at, that, that, at that moment, I had my moment of clarity. So I'm looking up, and I'm just trying to get my bearings, and I see the birds. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, this is beautiful. This is different. And in the back of me, suddenly I hear this voice, and she's going, and she's quoting Bible prophecy about the seven white birds that would complete the uh, whole circle. And as I'm watching this, I'm listening to this, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> This is interesting. And <laughs> it is just, I mean, I'm talking the words and the, the birds and everything was going perfectly. And she, finally, as she completes the prophecy, I'm just sitting here really numb in about, it must have been about five seconds, but I don't know how long. I turn around, she's gone. I'm like, okay, you know, let's not play fun here. You know, you got me spooked out with the Bible prophecy thing. You know, where are you? Oh, I look oh, everywhere. All right, no sign of her. I tear up. <laughs> I mean, I literally, not to say I did a hard target search, but I looked and called and screamed and everything. And literally, I stood in the hill and it, you know, where are you? Clarity, where are you? I mean, I'm sure the cops were probably coming because it was kind of like some drunk man screaming for clarity. <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, I'm like, well, what do I do? So I kind of get in the old, uh, uh, I look in my uh, glove apartment, find a map of uh, Texas, literally try to retrace myself back, go back. Something, well, maybe she just ran off to an apartment. Yeah, know, trying to figure out how to get home at this exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah, at this point, I'm thinking, well, at least she seems familiar with the area, so hopefully she either ran off and went, you know, to a friend's house or something like that. Yes. Something. Okay, get back home. So to make a long story short, I'm I'm one to kind of I'm very inquisitive. So I'm like, well, I called up my friend. I said, that girl, who was that girl, Clarity? He's like, he has no clue who I'm talking about. I'm like, well, you know, the girl. She's like blonde hair, 17, 18 years old. You know, she really wasn't with anybody. She's like. Yeah, I've 
you know, I think I remember he's, you know, talking to somebody, and he's not really much of a drinker, so his memory wasn't too impaired. And I said, uh, well, do you remember, you know, who I'm talking about? She goes, no, oh, I have no idea. Well, it turns out, I call, I go back to Denton, Texas about two years later. Yes. I come to that same graveyard, and I'm sitting there, and I drive up there, and this same rocky thing is just sitting there. I'm having this massive, massive deja vu, right? For sure. And I'm looking around, and I finally go up to the gas station. There's a Texaco in the corner, and I said, sir, is just out of here? I said, yes, I'm dying, but, you know, I said, I said, is there any, uh, I met a girl here. I said, I, I, I left her at this graveyard and disappeared. I yes. said, this is really kind of getting me, you know, strange. Is there somewhere, like a chamber of commerce or somewhere I can leave a note or something like that? that hey, you know, clarity if you ever happen to, that kind of thing, you know? Yes. Just a shot in the dark. Yep. He looks at me and goes, well, uh, actually, he goes, uh, nobody really goes by that graveyard anymore since the girl died a couple years ago. And I swear to God, he tells me this story about this girl, and everything he tells me is almost verbatim what this girl's telling me that she went through. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's literally like I took her home again. And that's what gave me the biggest chill because as he was describing her and telling me, he was saying, oh, yeah, because this little town hadn't much, hadn't had many. Uh, no, so, I, I think I've got the picture, sir. Yeah, and uh, yes. have, have someone die at a graveyard. That, that's kind of a, yeah, gotcha. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Good night. Clarity. from the store, she said, she goes, I saw that. Yeah. She did. She goes, yeah, I saw that one. I know, yeah. I know. It's really there. I mean, there's no question about it. I suppose you can argue it's some trick of stars, people are saying, getting together in some way or something. But any reasonable person just looking at that can clearly see the face. And it's yeah. not a good face either. Yeah. yeah, me and my best friend, we don't like Al Gore, and we both think he's evil, so... <laughs> well, then, you know, you've got to imagine, I thought of this last night, and everybody's going to think it's it's political, but the face is not gazing at Al Gore, nor is it particularly gazing at uh, uh, Mr. Bradley. It's looking straight ahead, actually. If you look at the photo, the face is staring at you. So... Just for clarity. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, good morning, Art. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, calling you from Marilla, Illinois. Okay. Hey, I got a real good one. Uh, uh, my buddy and I were on our way to Peoria one night, which is about an hour and a half away. Right. No one is around. It's one of those real clear nights, warm summer night. It happened in June. Right. Um, anyway, we're going along. No one around us. Uh-oh. About 11.45 at night, if I remember right. This is walking or driving? We're driving. Driving. Going about 65 miles an hour. Right. We're in the right-hand lane, and the left-hand lane appears out of nowhere, out of its own mist, a green figure about seven feet tall. And you know what it had on? A cape. A caped green figure. With no face. No face. Can't tell if it's fat, skinny. And you're doing 65 miles an hour and see this. And it's standing still. In the left-hand lane, and it doesn't budge, Art, with its arms draped out side to side. What? The Grim Reaper. The only thing I could think of. I used to laugh when people tell me about the Grim Reaper. And oh, oh, oh. Well, then, um, oh, 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 indeed. The Grim Reaper. No face. Um, you, you know what that would mean to me if I was you? I don't know. That would mean to me I was about to die. Oh, boy. Well, I made it. 
you lived through it. Lived through it. Uh, and right when I was thinking, that was a Grim Reaper, I kept it to myself. Yes. My buddy says, what was that? And I thought the Grim Reaper in my mind, and he said it out loud. And I looked at him with a straight face. I can't believe I had a straight face. Art. I said, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's time to pull over, stop the car, take the keys out, and take a taxi home. Oh, my. <laughs> I'll never. That was the summertime in June, and I'll never forget it like it happened yesterday. Of course, of course you wouldn't forget that. That you thing would... was at least seven feet tall. Um, and you never saw it again? Never saw it again and never want to see it again. But it's as real as you and I are talking right now. Yeah, I know, I know. I know you know. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you, Thank I. Thank you. Yeah. I don't think I'd keep driving. I mean, I would take that um, as a sign. Green, hooded, no face, left lane, stop car, take keys, hail taxi. West of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Yeah, thanks, Art. Uh, this little story, and, I, and it's going to hit a, maybe a little bit personal for you. And, That's uh, right. Where are you? Ed Dames in Napomo, California. Oh, I know Napomo. All right. Um, I had, uh, my, uh, brother was, uh, murdered on October 24th of last year. Sorry. Actually, he, uh, supposedly disappeared on, uh, October 19th, which was about three days after I was on the air with you and Ed Dames talking about, uh, Taylor Kramer's, uh, purported suicide. I recall, yes. Um, and I was talking about the uh, uh, Forbes article of May 17th and how it tied into the microchip that had been stolen from me and had gone into some detail about uh, me being a partner and consultant with uh, Taylor Kramer before he disappeared and Blair Newman. Uh, people on the uh, well up in San Francisco know Blair very, very well, an esteemed computer scientist, as was Taylor Kramer. Uh, so after I got off the air... Uh, with you about uh, oh, two days later, I took a great deal of the evidence in that case, and I took it over to my brother's place that he had just bought out in the desert, 17 acres outside Mojave, very short distance outside Mojave. Right. Well, a day and a half later, he disappeared. His body was found by his girlfriend. The story gets better. Now, it, it's a ghost story. I won't get off topic, I promise you. Um, uh, my brother and I had uh, practiced Many, many times growing up, uh, oh, tricks of telepathy where we would uh, sit across from each other and he would look at a playing card and I would guess what card it was. Well, we'd call 24 of them in a row, both, uh, you know, suit and rank of the card. Impossible. Until we uh, really freaked each other out after 24. We just, uh, and my brother was into telekinesis a little bit. Um, he, and uh, we also would really very much enjoy startling the heck out of each other while we were growing up, you know, lying in wait, lurking, and blah, you know, tearing yeah. the pants off of each other I in do various, a lot of that too. various ways. So what happened? Um, well, after he had died, I'd cleaned out uh, his uh, his uh, place out in the desert. Uh, I was absolutely alone, and he had a wood-burning stove. Oh, there's also a two-year-old girl here in a, in a minute that comes into play. Well, a minute is right, because that's about all I have. So. Okay, anyway, I said, I need something. I need a sign, Bruce. I need uh, something dramatic, something unambiguous. Are you still here, and can you help me? At that moment, 
I mean less than 15 seconds after I said that, the front plate glass of the wood-burning stove that I was warming the place with just blew out. Renters moved in. I'll cut it very short. Renters moved in. I finally got his place rented. And uh, the renters moved in, and I stayed with them for 30 days, told them the story of, you know, my brother's death and the and what I think is a murder cover-up. Oh, great way to keep uh, renters around. Um, well, they, they had already had some experience, uh, apparently, with ghosts in the past. And anyway, they had a two-year-old daughter. And uh, after living with them for 30 days, uh, oh, about oh, maybe now a week or two after they moved in, um, their little daughter, I was staying in the, one of the back rooms, and they were in the living room, and their little daughter all of a sudden looks into the empty room where the wood-burning stove glass had blew out, and she started waving bye-bye. And then she said, bye-bye, and we all looked at her and looked at the room. There was absolutely nothing there. Another, uh, and this was about Christmas time. We're going to have to hold it right there, sir. Uh, and, she, and she said, Mommy, he's hungry. And she identified it again and just pointed to the room. Hungry. Yeah. Great. All right. Um, I appreciate the story. Thank you. The part about the wood-burning stove glass bursting outward when asking for a sign. I don't know. Sometimes maybe it's better not to ask. Be careful what you ask for, they say, right? What you're listening to tonight is Ghost to Ghost AM. I'm Art Bell. Continually repeating the same supposed nonsense. Right. It kept doing this over and over again. And this person's writing it down, and it did it five or six times. Right. Well, about the fifth or sixth time, uh, a friend of mine came in from the other room, and this was a, a, an extremely educated guy. He, This is a guy that scored 1,500 on his SATs. And he had happened to have been in Brazil for summer vacation the summer before and had picked up some Portuguese while he was there. As soon as he came through the door, now neither of us know, a, I to this day do not know a word of Portuguese. Yes. And I know this girl didn't know a word of Portuguese. She's, you know. Anyway. Yes. As soon anyway. as he came through the door, this pattern that had repeated itself five or six times changed to a different pattern of another five, six, seven, eight letters, whatever it was, and kept doing that over and over again. Until he happened to just wander over during the course of his conversation towards the person who was writing down the letters as we called them out. What it had been writing before he came in the room was, can you read me in Portuguese? Oh, God. Really? You when swear walked, this is true? This is absolutely true. Can and this you is the last read me? time I ever touched a Ouija board. Okay, and then... And then, and then, you know, what as about soon the as he reached the door, before he even came over and read what was on the page, before he even knew what was going on, yes, 
it changed to you have read me in Portuguese. <laughs> At that point, I completed getting drunk <laughs> and have not touched the Ouija board since. How about how about booze? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've done that on occasion. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for the story, and I don't blame you a bit. I've had one um, really disagreeable experience with the Ouija board that I will not talk about. I've used them you. a lot up to that point. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. After then, never again. Take care. Uh, you see, now, how do you account for that? I mean, certainly you could make the case that two people holding on to something, moving it about the board to various letters, would spell out something that would come from the subconscious of those uh, doing the, uh, the movement. But not in another language, and not can you read me in Portuguese, of all things. <laughs> yeah, Ouija boards. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Art, uh, I have a story for you of uh, Watch What You Ask For. All right. Uh, when I was a freshman in college at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Is that where you are back there in Tennessee? I'm in New Orleans now. New Orleans, okay. Yes. And uh, it was 1956, and it was in the summertime. I was going to summer school. And there were. I lived in an old house that had five apartments. And there were three upstairs and two down. And I lived in one of the downstairs apartments. And we would have our parties there. Sure. And I had a bunch of uh, uh, hippie friends. And so we were having a party one Saturday night. It was hot and sticky and balmy, you know. And, that kind of uh, night. Yep. We had all the windows open, but there was one window that we could not get open because the old house, it was swollen and everything. And so... It took two of us to get this window up. Right. I mean, it was extremely difficult to get this window up. And so we decided we were going to have a seance. And we were wondering who we wanted to talk to. Yes. And so someone said, well, let's see if we can call up Lucifer. Oh, good so we, choice. We all we, we had no idea, you know, how were we going to do this. And so we all sat in a circle, you know, on the floor and a candle in the middle of the, of the circle, turned all the lights out. And so we started challenging. Of all the possible people, though, that to, you, could, you decide to conjure. Yeah, we, we started. Why do you want to start there? Well, uh, we started challenging the devil that if he, if he were real. Huh. Yeah. To give us some sign, <laughs> and so we go around the circle about three or four times, and nothing happens. Yeah. So then someone gets the idea: we'll curse him. Curse. We will call him the most foul names that we can think of. Yeah, good. And right. and to see if we can get him to show himself, or to you know let us know that he's. Real. Got a room full of 1,500 SAT scorers here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Man. So, so we start around the circle again, and we go around twice. And we go around. We start around the third time. Yeah. And All the it, time calling calling him foul names. Calling, I mean, just 
I mean, the worst. That's the worst things you can I, think I, of. We can and, uh, it gets to me, and I let loose with a tirade, and the window falls. The swollen window that it took two of you to get up there. The swollen window that it took two good-sized young guys to pull up. That thing fell. And, I mean, it fell like it was greased. And, I mean, not needless to say, the party ended. Mm. And never, ever, ever did I ever do anything like that again. If I were you, I would never, ever do anything like that again. <laughs> no, no, no. And <laughs> uh, believe me, there was some white-faced people left my apartment. I mean, uh, I mean, just total dead silence. No one would say anything. They were just terrified. How, out of curiosity, how old were you guys about then? Oh, about 19. About 19. Yeah, yeah. I was a freshman at the university. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm 62 now. And I will always remember that. Of course you will. <laughs> okay, thank you, Art. Um, sir, I really appreciate your call, and don't ever, ever, ever do that again. Oh, oh no, no. no right. Because, you know, they say, I have read many times since then, that if you invite them in, they will come. That's right. And that's apparently what happened. Poor choice to begin with. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's do Lucifer first. Great idea. I'm Art Bell, and this is Ghost to Ghost AM, emanating from the high desert where it's cold and dark out there. Very, very dark out there. What will you do when you know me? No one waiting by your side. Yeah. I hear this music, kind of like organ, real kind of slow organ music, real soft. Yes. And somebody says, did you come to view the body? Oh, yes. <laughs> I said, no, oh. I, don't. I didn't. So you walk in, you uh, walk in a mortuary. I must be in a funeral home. Yes. Okay. I said, uh, I didn't come to view the body, but it'll, if it'll make you feel better, I will. Huh. So, <laughs> I need to I need to get some information out of you, and maybe do I, do I need to do that? You know, it's the I first time I've really been it. in one. Yes. And he says, "Well, he's got this. He's older. He's got this British accent." And he says, "No, you don't have to view the body." Well, oh. <laughs> good because I really don't want to. So we're talking. I said, "Do you do you know the address of this place?" And he yes. says, "The address?" Said, yeah, you know, like blah 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 blah, Thirty Fourth Street. He says. Well, I said, well, maybe we could look it up in the phone book. Do you have a phone book? And he said, phone book? You know, like that, like what? And I said, oh, you don't have a God. phone book? Right. <laughs> You've got to have a phone book. Where's your phone? Well, he, he still acts like he doesn't know what I'm talking about. So yeah. I decide, well, maybe he's drunk. Like you're from another planet or something. Yeah, so I, he I decide, well, he may be, maybe he's been hitting bubble or something. Yeah. So I start asking him questions. How long have you worked here? He tells me his great-great-great-grandfather was a mortician, and great-great-grandfather, great-grandfather, grandfather, his father, pass it down. All the, 
and they came over here on the boat, you know, and started it here. Yes. And uh, and I say, why do you like to be a mortician? And he tells me he feels it an honor to be the last one to deal with the person and treat him with respect and, you know, real sweet stuff. Whatever career highs one would get from yeah. that job. <laughs> and I'm still sort of nervous. I'm thinking, well, I said, okay, um, since, since you can't tell me the address, could you just, like, come outside and read me the address? Oh, he said, I don't like to venture outside. <laughs> no? Well, okay, I thought, all right. Um, he's been really nice to me as far as he can be. Apparently, he's just got a... And I said, you really From can't tell me the address. my point of view, he already knows that you're sightless, and he's trying to scare the hell out of you is what it sounds <laughs> well, like. I wasn't sure. But see, I still thought it was a real person. Yeah. And so I said, you can't even... I just need numbers. And he says, I never was very good with numbers. <laughs> okay, so I think, okay, I'm not going to make fun of somebody if they aren't good with numbers. Maybe he's got dyslexia, and he doesn't want to embarrass himself. Uh-huh. So I said, okay, could you just come to the door? And, and and he told me a bunch of stuff about his family, and he only talked for quite a while because it was cold out there, and I waited till I got warm. And I said, uh, can you just uh, like take me to the door? Because I can't remember where it is now. We've wandered around in here so long. Could you just tell me what you see across the street? Maybe I could figure out where I am. Right, sure. Oh, so he says, okay. And he, re- he gives me, his, he walks by me. I can feel him walking up to me. And he says, oh, you have such a beautiful shepherd. I love shepherds. And I say, thank you. And she wags her tail. And he he comes up by me, and I say, can I take your arm? And he says, most definitely. So I get his arm, and it's a, it's a suit, but it doesn't have, it has those cords on it. You know those braided cords? Like, yes. I don't know what they're called, but real nice suits have on them. Yes. I find that, and I say, oh, you know, we used to have these on our van uniforms in high school. And I it is arm, but you know what? It doesn't have, it's a suit, but it doesn't have an arm in it. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, my. So I think, oh, dear, I don't want to embarrass him again. So I'm just going to go ahead and walk with him. And he he's walking. You know, I can feel steps, steps, steps. I don't, yeah. I don't hear anything hitting the floor, but I can feel the motion of, like somebody would be walking. Oh, and we man. get to the door, and he opens it for me, and he tells me what's across the street. And I say, well, I really appreciate your help. And, and I'll I'll see I'll see you later maybe sometime when I'm not quite so sleepy or whatever I am. And he says the pleasure was all mine. And then the door shuts. And then all the kids are trying to play hooky for school. Say, Ooh, you went in there? And I said, Yeah. And I touched all the dead bodies and I started reaching out to them. And then I could follow them to school because they were scared out of their <laughs> little minds that I was yeah. going <laughs> to touch them after I touched those dead bodies. So I got there. But later I just thought that had to be. A ghost, and I went back to the place, and I asked him. He told me his name was Bartholomew Higginbotham. And so I went back, and I said, oh, I came to talk to Bartholomew Higginbotham. And they, oh, nobody works here like that. We don't know who that is. So it had to be a ghost. And they didn't open the door that early in the morning unless they were asked to, they said. Do you swear this is I all... I swear, I swear, you, I've got friends, you can... I swear. I, I, swear, I swear on a Bible. I, I, I In fact... I couldn't remember his name, and I wanted to remember his name to come and, and tell you the story, and he told me his name. <laughs> but I like to talk to spirits. Well, that's a whopper. It's a good, I, I promise you it's a real though. No, 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 I didn't mean it from that sense. I was, that was some story. No, it was, it, after it was over, it was much better than while it was happening, because um, I was a little bit, well, I couldn't figure out why he wouldn't tell me 
numbers and well this is a person who obviously is not familiar with no. the artifacts of the modern world apparently he didn't know what a phone was yeah and phone you know phone no, phone no. book and Hello? i thought okay let's just don't go there <laughs> and then i didn't say see i should have said and what year is it and you're you should have said that you're right but you i might, wish i had you a... might not have liked the answer <laughs> I might not have gone to school that day if I heard it. I really don't. I wish I had said, you know, what year is this? I'm really bad. I don't even know what year it is. But he was awfully nice. He was, I mean, he was very helpful as far as he could be. Yes. And he would, so, he so, would have helped me view the body, too, if I'd have wanted to. Um, I don't even know if we want to go there, because if, if you'd have said you'd wanted to view the bodies... I wonder if you suddenly would have been sighted. Now, oh, I don't know. If it ever happens again, I'm going to try it. <laughs> Thank you so much for the, the call, hon. You're welcome. Thank you, you for letting us do this. Yeah, you bet. Take care. Oh, man. Oh, man. And there was no arm in it. West of the Rockies, you're on the air without a lot of time here. Hello? Hello. Hi. I got a, a pretty good one for you. Do you? Yeah, my... Um... A good friend of mine in high school told me that um, a demon would follow him around and that every night, or just about every night at 12 o'clock, he would see it. Yes. But only in a reflection, like if he looked out the window or or didn't directly look at it. That's right. And he also said that if he was trying to, to see it, he wouldn't see it, only if it caught him off guard. Right. And I would listen to him. You know, I didn't think really nothing about it, but he would always um, go home before dark. He, he was really strict with the Ouija board. He wouldn't play it or nothing. And uh, one night we were getting hay um, for our teacher. and um, getting, he this, getting hay for your teacher? Yeah, he had a lot of horses. Okay, he was picking up some hay. So yes. we, this, we drove... All about 15 miles away, we're getting some hay, and we're just talking. And he'd tell me about these stories every so often. And, you know, I just think that, you know, he was, you know, just... Off a little. Yeah, well... We're, we're just, so short on time, so you've okay. got to get to it real quick. Okay, anyways, um, he would tell me about the demon. And so we're going up to back back in to unload the hay, and I happened to look in the, the uh, mirror of the truck. Yes. I don't know why I looked over, but I did, and I saw it. You saw what? Uh, the face of a demon, this demon he's been talking about. And I just kept staring at it. Then he looked in the mirror to back, go to back up. Yeah. And it had the, it was basically um, a goat's face, kind of like human eyes, but they were slanted. Yeah. And like a three-piece sewn leather cap and little short, you know, rounded horns. Hey, that would do it for me. Uh, do me a favor, will you? Sure. Um, go when you get a chance and look at the photograph on my website and compare it to what you just described. Will you please? The one of the... The, um, the, the, the Democrats debate. It looked pretty similar. Oh, you see, you've already seen that? Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> but ever since then, I totally believed him because I asked him, I go, what did it look like? Hey, as they say, seeing, sir, is believing. We've got a break here at the top of the hour. I'm Art Bell, and this is Ghost... To Ghost AM. And we're getting some real buttes. Old saying goes, don't touch that dial. Why? Well, I was curious. Uh -huh. um, I would disconnected the phone line. 
thinking, first of all, it might have been a hacker. Okay. I, uh, I uh, actually started calling it visitor and, and marking its, its uh, responses. But over the course of time, most of the stuff it would leave, I mean, it left, left uh, over, overnight it would usually leave about half a page to page and a half of just typing words back and back but if you sat there and you read through all the gibberish yes there were select sentences throughout that entire thing that made a lot of sense well a lot of sense well here he's got one it says um okay here here's an here's an eerie one uh and take christ on the road to or from boom boom your home dig deep holes to hide your spirit <laughs> God, that's impossible. I mean, that's just impossible. Mm -hmm. right, read it again. Okay. Antichrist on the road to or from your home. Boom, boom. Then it says, uh, dig deep holes to hide your spirit. Give me another one. Um, it mentions down here. I've come to, the, I got like 17, 18 pages of material. Mm -hmm. And the gist of it comes out that it's telling me about this character that it calls Vernon that is on its way. And uh, he's a very evil character. And that uh, we're supposed to watch for a half-moon symbol. Have you considered cutting and running and screaming? Uh, actually, when it was happening, I got in totally enthralled with it. I uh, began to get more and more interested in and but, but staying I on mean, the computer for longer and longer periods, asking it direct questions and having it respond to me. I have a close to 17, 18 teenagers that are direct witnesses and about five or six adults that I've allowed. Yeah, good Lord, sir, aren't you a little concerned with what you're communicating with and what it's saying? Yeah. But I'm the same reason I listen to your show every night about art is... Uh, <laughs> I just I became totally enthralled with this thing. I would sit there and uh, this thing would start responding to me, and you just be like mesmerized by the screen, just sitting there watching, waiting for it to happen. Obviously, and so uh, and yeah. so, is there an end of the story, or is it oh, still going? Oh, it got on? far worse. Um, it got worse. Oh yeah, it became to the point where it started referring and talking to me, and gave me a kind of uh, I don't know code word or pet name, uh, used to call me the Peaceful Warrior. And they would start responses by saying hello, and it would say, end them by saying goodbye. There were a lot of peculiarities to its responses. But after a while, it began to uh, manifest in other ways, like when my computer broke and just went down and all the electricity in my house started going haywire. Um, my light bulbs wouldn't work and everything else. All of a sudden, things would start flying. Like visine bottles flew two inches from my nose, from empty rooms upstairs. I have a loft that looks over my my you're living not, room. You're not pulling our legs here. Absolutely not. I I could probably I emailed you before about this. Well, I'm sorry, I must have missed it because I this. Yeah, is I'm all sure you get me. tons of emails, but I mean, I I'm, I picked tonight because yeah, you're obviously. Ghost to ghost. Yeah, and obviously. You, you, this is a good night to listen to. You're so things hovering in midair. Not hovering. No, no. I would be walking towards uh, the door, and all of a sudden, from upstairs, my loft, something would fly down. Fly down? 
Yeah, and nearly missed my nose. It was a Visine bottle. And it, uh, I thought the people who I had rented the, the upstairs loft to were still, were home. When I went up there, there was nobody there. There's only one way up. So, what have you done? I mean, are you still... No, 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 no. I've moved out of that place. And the computer? The computer's in storage. All they have is a, is a printout of what it, what I have right now. And, uh, you know, the, the the sequel to what you just told me would be, you die. Oh, no, no, no. I yeah. got... You I got die. Uh, you, no, listen to me now. The sequel is, you die. Yeah. Somebody else pulls that old antique computer out of storage. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm pretty sure no one's going to want that old thing. I appreciate your story, sir. Okay. God, what a weird story. (laughs) Computer recognition program that begins talking to you about the Antichrist. Look, you know, you know about the hundred monkeys theory, right? There's no, there's no way. Simply no way. I'd, I'd have that computer in more than just storage. I'd have it in parts. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Mr. Bell. My name is Valerie. I'm calling from Gilbert, Arizona. Hi, Valerie. Um, I have, um, I'll make it brief, but a story to tell you about a friend of mine who passed away last year. Sure. And there's two incidents, one that happened before he passed away and another that happened since. Okay. The one, um, uh, Brian was eight years old when he died of leukemia last February. Oh. Um, he was diagnosed when he was three, and so, of course, he spent lots of his life in the hospital. Sure. And um, uh, over time, his mom always worried about leaving him there, and he told her, um, even at a very young age, not to worry because there was always a lady that came and sang to him and rubbed his forehead when he went to sleep at night when his mother wasn't there. Mm. And as he got older, he would tell his mother that it was his guardian angel. A couple of years ago, they were doing a class project. One of his older brothers was doing a class project looking through family photos um, for um, a family tree. And in the box of photos... Um, Brian picked out this picture and asked his mother how he got the picture of this woman. Mm-hmm. And she asked him why, and he said, well, because this is the lady who sits with me in the hospital. And she she looked at the picture, and it was Brian's great-grandmother who had passed away before he was even born. Yikes. Yeah, and, um, and so she was always very comforted that when she wasn't there at the hospital with him that there was somebody that loved him that was watching over him. Um, Brian passed away a year ago, February, and at Christmas time this year um, was a difficult time for the family, and my sister had invited them over to bake cookies the Tuesday before Christmas. Sure. My um, youngest daughter, Megan, who is 12, was there with um, their youngest son, who is 6. And they were making angel cookies and painting them, and they call them angel Brian cookies because that's what they call Brian now that he's passed away is angel Brian. And they made all these cookies, and they put the letter B on all the cookies and said, we all have to remember Brian at Christmas time. Next morning, my daughter um, went to school and was in her classroom, and the teacher said, we're all going to do a craft project. We need to clean our desk and put newspaper down on the desk to cover it. And Megan went over to the pile of newspaper in the classroom and opened up the page of the newspaper and spread it out. And the page that she opened up and spread it out to was Brian's obituary from the February before, and um, his picture was in the paper, and, and Megan um, 
told me when she explained the situation, she said, I, w I got scared and I started to cry when I first saw that. And then as she explained the situation to the teacher, and the teacher told her how special that was, and that was, um, and Megan told me later, you know, that was Brian sending me a smile because he knew that we made him cookies last night. That's really sweet. Thank you, dear. You're welcome. You take care. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That's it. We'll uh, do one more segment, and I don't think I could handle much more than that. I don't know about you. We're doing a show called Ghost to Ghost. That's with a G-A-M. Ghost stories all night long. We do that every now and then. I'm Art Bell. Stay right where you are. Oh, obviously you weren't drinking it. Henry was. Oh, it gets even better. We had this one huge native guy with us. Uh, we all called him Chubbs. Oh, 6'8 and 350 pounds of pure muscle. Not scared of nothing. And he didn't believe it. And this Henry took a liking to the one guy's girlfriend. And uh, the guy, we'll save his name because of the embarrassment, kept getting pinches. Because every time he'd go and hug his girlfriend, he'd get a pinch. Yeah. Finally, he just had it up and step back and him and his girlfriend got in an argument his beer spilled all over him it the bottle actually tipped over and spilt all over him no one has to, but it was even near the table uh-huh so henry got mad at him jobs is making fun of him and sitting back and he walks into the living room i've never seen a native person turn as white as i am and i'm almost next to albino we're like jobs what's wrong the living room what in the chair sat this boy about maybe 17 years old yes uh but he said the clothes looked like it was from 1930 and the, he was sitting in the chair light blue he said the guy was translucent but bluish solid color and, he said, and it, the kid looked over yeah. smiled yeah. and disappeared <laughs> Chub has just went you swear yeah. this. You swear this. I swear this. upon this as much as I can. Well, can not, I, wait a minute. As much as I can. As much as I can. I could give me a stack of Bibles. Give me a stack all of right, Torahs. Right, that's what I was after. Stack yep. of Bibles. Something stack of Bibles, Torahs. On, on, my, on my grandmother's grave. Okay, okay. Okay. okay we go enough. over. Yes. We feel the whole room is dropped like 15 degrees. Needless to say, we kept going. Okay, this is weird. So... We we end up breaking up for the night. Yep. The one girl, uh, the one the, the girlfriend, she's uh, had problems in her apartment. They had a huge big picture, which goes about probably about four feet in length. It was held up by airplane wire. She came home. It was gone. She couldn't figure out where it was, and the boy uh, the boyfriend was sleeping. He's a light sleeper. They go looking for it, and it's behind the stereo uh, the cabinet. They look, the airplane wire is, looks like it was melted right in the middle where the main, where the hook would have been and slid down and smashed all the glasses everywhere. Uh huh. He never woke up. Never woke up. Never woke up. Never woke up. Their microwave doesn't work. Their, her, uh, CD player would start spinning by itself and 
I'd be out of there so fast. I'd, I'd be out of there so fast. Oh, she could, they couldn't move. That was the thing. So we brought over like cold, like water and stuff like that. Nothing worked. And we finally said, dude, uh, they're together. Get your own woman. <laughs> finally, she said it. Sorry, you're dead. I'm alive. It'd never work out. And <laughs> it'd never work out. It'd never work out. And he up and left. I appreciate the story, sir. No problem. Thank you. Have a good one, Art. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. How are you? Oh, oh well, all right. Um, I just want, one of the stories that I had was um, a friend of mine and my ex-husband um, is a filmmaker, and um, at the beginning of his career, he was um, an award-winning documentary producer, and. He and his crew went over to England to film the stately old estates of England. Yes, ma'am. And they were told of this one area of the house that was haunted. So they put a camera in this room one night. Um, and just let it roll? Yeah, under ultraviolet lights. And they got the ghost on film. Really? Yes. What... Exactly, did they get on film? My ex-husband saw it. I didn't view it. Um, it was the form of of a thing. A thing. That well, you know. First of all, I want to say there's a lot of fear in this area, and there really is nothing to be afraid of. I had another experience that really showed me that. Well, I don't know. It seems to depend on the story. Some of these things. Um, there's plenty to be afraid of as I listen. I think it's it's what's in us that causes our fears. In other words, if you... Just test here, all right? Sure. If you went to a couch mm -hmm. because something had rolled under it, mm -hmm. and you picked up the front, you know, the little thing that hangs down, mm -hmm. and you reached under the couch, and you grabbed... I heard the story. ...a foot and an ankle, a leathery, cold foot. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't scare you. Well, if, if I might tell you my second story real quickly, you'll see why it wouldn't. At, at, now it wouldn't. <laughs> okay? Take and your I, best shot. Let me hear it. All right. I I moved into a house, and I'm very sensitive. Uh, I'll know things that are happening. You know, it's, it's unpredictable. I can't say I'm psychic, but I'll know when things are happening, and I'll call, and I'll find out that that's what's happening. Right. <clears throat> so I move into this house. And I kept getting the feeling of a presence there. And I was frightened. And I would get the feeling at night when I would turn out all the lights and try to go to sleep. Right. And I was freaking out. And I said, okay, get a hold of yourself. And I had gone into certain studies to deal with the sensitivity that I had. And I said, confront it. Because that which you can't confront can own you. Mm. And so I did. And I said, who are you and what are you doing here? And? Now, I didn't hear a voice, but it was concepts that came at me. Mm -hmm. And I found out who it was and why they were there. And? And there was nothing to be afraid of. It was... Well, who was it and why were they well, there? Well, I don't want to oh. get into all that, but what happened, what confirmed it was... It was a neighbor down the street, and I said, 
you, did anyone ever live in this neighborhood? I'd be careful. I couldn't say, look, I communicated with a ghost. <laughs> They'd lock me up. And so I said, was there ever anyone in this neighborhood? And I described this person. And she said, oh, yes, that person lived in this house and told me exactly what that person told me happened to them. All right. Well, see, okay, for you, for that lady, um, sure, not scared. That wouldn't work for me. If it was confirmed for me that I was communicating in whatever manner with somebody who had passed away, I would not take it lightly. Listen, there's something that I've got to get on the air here before we're done. At the beginning of the program, I told you that we would take or accept ghost photographs from many of you in the audience, which, by the way, we are. If you have a really good ghost photograph, send it to webmaster at artbell.com, and we have been receiving them during the course of the program. However, Keith has been really, really busy. So we are, and, and of course, the website has been swamped. So um, he has not had an opportunity to get them up until now. However, as I speak to you, the photographs sent in by many of you out there are going to begin appearing on the website. And I'm sure by later today there will be a whole parcel of them up there for you to judge. However, again, I say to you, if you want to see one of the freakiest things you've ever seen, uh, you've got to get to my website and see the photograph of the the Democrats' debate. Goran Bradley. Clearly, between the two of them, and you can ascribe it to stars and stripes and shadows and lights and whatever all else you want to ascribe it to. It's not the, uh, the image of somebody's Photoshop. It may simply be an accident of all of the above, but I'll be damned if there is not a really, really evil-looking face between the two of them. Uh, you may consider it uh, a Rorschach test, if you wish. You may consider it a sign, if you wish. You may consider it whatever you want. You, uh, you however, cannot look at that and say it is nothing, <laughs> for it is something. Uh, one of the more interesting things to happen in years... A very contemporary thing, which I thought went uh, along very well with this morning's program, which has been an absolute classic in terms of ghost programs. Definitely been one of the best. Listen, we are woefully out of time. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. We've got just about no time left. Are you there? Yeah. So, where are okay. you? Tell, tell me where you are. St. Paul. St. Paul, Minnesota. You betcha. Yep, you betcha. Um, I you know, I can, yeah, it, unless you can tell it in 10 seconds. Back in 71, two, another kid and I were on a Ouija board, and it spelled out D-E-V-I-L twice. This kid said, oh, man, his, his spirit guide is just going nuts. An old Indian, he closed up the board and just just walked out. Tell them all good night, sir. Good night. Have a good day, everybody. Thank yeah, you. That's right. Sleep well in the darkness, in the dark, in the cold. Sleep well. From the high deserts where the cold winds are blowing.
Good night.